on. It's got a green light. Good morning, everyone. It is good to have you at church. Uh, my name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Minister here, in case I don't know you. Uh, let's start with a story about office places and office fridge security. Have you ever worked at one of those um, offices where there's just a fridge and there seems to be a leftover lunch in there that is growing moldy and the back of the fridge never gets cleaned? Um, I have worked at several of them. This place is not one, by the way. Um, I know because when we got here, I told, um, I got back to clean out everything. Um, we, I walked in there one day and I was like, I don't know what that is. We threw it all out. Hopefully it wasn't anything good. There was some very old stuff. Um, in uh, 2009 in California, um, there was a phone company, San Jose, and uh, there was a little office mini fridge that was beginning to get a bit pongy. It was smelling and uh, they didn't know what was wrong with it. And one day, one of the lovely ladies in the office decided she would clean it and uh, she opens the fridge and the smell of the fridge was so bad. Actually, this doesn't look like a very bad fridge at all. That looks pretty great. Um, and you notice the color-coded, no, no, uh, nothing on the milk. Um, anyway, she opens this fridge and the smell is so bad that seven people end up getting taken to hospital from the vomiting. <laughs> and uh, they ended up having to evacuate the entire building of 325 people because this fridge had been switched off for months and months and months and it was full of rancid and rotting food. Gross, huh? Um, Co-workers can be pretty frustrating, can't they? Um, frustra uh, frustrating co-workers. There was a survey in America, not surprising, something like 86% of people in workforces said that their co-workers can be quite annoying. Um, but on the other side of it, when you have good co-workers, uh, it is wonderful at work. Um, uh, and by the way, how cool is this office? Anybody work in a beanbag office? Me neither. Maybe one day we'll just get rid of all the desks and we'll just beanbag it every week. Um, I read an article in the Harvard Business Review. Uh, researchers from the University of Pennsylvania, University of Minnesota, they found that when people have close friendships at work, um, they're actually more productive. Uh, it's good for the people. They're more productive. They communicate better. Um, they are encouraged in their work. It leads to... Um, better staff morale and higher staff retention, which is a huge problem at the moment, and ultimately profitability for the business. And the article asks this question, well, how then as a manager do you create an organizational culture that encourages strong relationships between co-workers? Um, the tie into the Bible is that in our Bible passage today, I think we see the Apostle Paul doing just that. He teaches us how to honor and value those who labor alongside us teaches us how to be good co-workers in Christ as we labor together for the gospel. Um, our passage today is all about becoming good co-workers in Christ. So why don't we pray that God would teach us now as we open his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Bible and the way that it teaches us how to live productive lives for you and for your kingdom. Will you teach us now about how we can join your mission and how we can become good co-workers in Christ? And will you show us the joy of serving alongside the King, in whose saving name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, we are in the middle of our Term 4 series called Choosing Joy. It's all about how Paul, uh, it's a letter to a church in Philippi, but we've chosen that theme of choosing joy because Paul is joyful in all circumstances and he encourages us to do the same. And as we open the second half of uh, Philippians 2, we need to remember that Paul is in prison. Uh, probably in Rome, uh, possibly even awaiting execution. And uh, we read a bit of a strange section of the Bible today. Uh, Paul is making arrangements in it, uh, arrangements to send one of his co-workers or 
uh, probably with the letter that he's writing, uh, in order to hear news from his beloved church family in Philippi. Um, Obviously, there was no internet or telephone back then. We've got it easy now, don't we? Uh, Back in those days, uh, there was no postal service, sort of. Um, Actually, the Roman Empire had established something called the Cursus Publicus, um, which was the Roman official um, mail. Apparently, it was brilliant mail service, but it was only for official government business and military business. So you couldn't just send a letter. Uh, So to get a message to your friends, you had to send a friend. Somebody had to be the messenger, and they had to physically travel with the message, uh, maybe weeks, maybe months of travel to bring a message and then of course they had to return back so you could find out the answer. So much easier today. Uh, You know, we call our our daughter in California and literally have a video uh, conference call with her. Um, Think about the passage that we're about to read. We often skip over sections like this because they seem organizational rather than theological. Um, But as we listen to Paul's arrangements, um, I want us to think about his co-workers and and what it means to be a good co-worker in Christ. So let's think about Timothy first of all. Paul says this, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I've no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare for Everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he's served with me in the work of the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. We actually first meet Timothy in the book of Acts, in chapter 16. Uh, Paul meets him in Lystra, in modern-day Turkey. Um, Timothy is described as a believer, Uh, He's become a Christian. He has a Jewish mother who's also a believer. He has a Greek father. Um, This means that uh, Timothy is is an excellent candidate to follow Paul on his missionary journeys. He understands the Jewish world and the Greek world and what it means to become a believer as well. And moreover, all the believers in Lystra and Derby spoke well about Timothy. And so from that moment on, he accompanies Paul on his missionary journeys as this co-worker in the gospel, a co-worker in Christ. And um, this idea that somebody, you know, you would meet Paul and then the next day you'd travel with him, change your entire life. Doesn't that remind you of the story of Jesus with the disciples? You know, especially those first few disciples, Peter and Andrew, Jesus meets them as they're cleaning their fishing boats or putting their boats away or something like that. And um, Jesus says to them, come and follow me. And they did, didn't they? They just dropped everything and followed. Um, And so brothers and sisters, there is something so compelling about Jesus and the work of Jesus, that it can make you drop everything and follow Him. Um, and I know many of us have had that experience. You know, we, we, we've met the Lord Jesus. We've, we've understood His life and His death and His resurrection and His glorious reign and His return that's to come. And we've said, that's what I want to live for. And we've actually dropped the plans that we had before and we've really reoriented our, our whole life towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come and follow me. So many of you have done that. Um, I wonder if you haven't, maybe today's the, d- the day to do that. Because Jesus calls each of us into discipleship to become followers of Him, uh, to learn from Him, and to join Him on uh, His mission as He builds His kingdom on this earth and, and then in the earth to come. And maybe you've never thought about it like that, so keep thinking. We're going to think more about what it means to be a disciple as we build this picture of being a good co-worker of Jesus. Well, come back to Timothy. He's actually been with Jesus, uh, sorry, with Paul now for about 10 years. Timothy was with Paul 
when he first went to Philippi and shared the gospel there, he, he actually helped plant the church in Philippi with Paul. And now Paul hopes to send Timothy back to Philippi in verse 19 so that he can hear some news about how the Philippian church is going. And we see there um, in verse 19, that would actually cheer Paul's heart. That would warm his heart to hear that news because he longs for them, doesn't he? Do you remember that was back in chapter 1? God knows how much I long for all of you. Um, The Philippians are his church family. He longs to know news from them. And then think about how Paul describes Timothy. In verse 20, he says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Um, Timothy is a shepherd. Uh, Timothy is a pastor. He's a pastor who shows genuine concern for the flock. I was reading Ezekiel um, this week in my quiet times. In chapter 34, there's this section about bad shepherds. I was talking about the Old Testament priests. Um, They were described as these bad shepherds who didn't look after the flock. Um, When the sheep got lost, they didn't go after them. They didn't bind up the wounded. All they did was just eat from the flock. They fattened themselves without actually looking after the sheep. And it's a picture of a bad shepherd. It's really a picture of a bad minister. Uh, And I'm aware how often we hear stories of ministers who've ravaged the flock just like that. They've cared about their own concerns and not those of the flock. Um, It's actually one of the reasons why many of our friends and neighbours distrust the church because of examples like that. Um, And so a big burden for the reputation falls on the minister. But you know what? Our neighbours actually watch how each of us live. If they know you're a Christian, they're watching how you live because they want to know for these Christians, do they have, actually have concern for others and for the welfare of others? Do they love their neighbours like Jesus said they should? Or are they just interested in themselves? Our friends and neighbours are watching, you know. Have a look at what Paul says about Timothy in verse 20. He says, I've got nobody else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out to their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. See, Timothy, when he gets sent to Philippi, he's going to show genuine concern for the welfare of the Philippians. Um, Sadly, we see in verse 21, that's not the case for most people. And I think Paul's talking about Christians here. I think he says, even out of those who serve Christ, many of them only look out for their own interests, not the interest of Jesus. Uh, It's pretty sad, I think. But Timothy has proved himself as a good shepherd verse 20 he's worked alongside Paul in the work of the gospel and so our first point of application how can we be a Timothy how can we be like Timothy well I think to be a Timothy first you need to be available to Jesus and the work of the gospel Um, Timothy followed when Jesus used Paul to call him into the work of the gospel could God be calling you into the work of the gospel today Uh, And maybe I'm thinking naturally about some of the younger ones here. But you know what? I think no matter what age you are, Jesus could use you in the work of growing the kingdom. Whatever life stage you're at, you know, if you make yourself available, he'll find a use for you. Um, Perhaps that might mean a change of career or a change of direction or perhaps you're retired. Maybe it means a change of what you plan to do in your retirement and how you'll spend that. Make yourself available and Jesus is going to use you. Uh, If you want to talk more about what that looks like for you, because it might be different for every person, come and let's get a coffee and let's talk about it. Let's pray together and work out how Jesus might use you. Second, I think to be a Timothy, 
We need to show genuine concern for the welfare of others and not just our own concerns. Um, I'm thinking in practical terms, um, uh, that might mean listening to people, not just sort of being, you know, the person who always gives advice or who does. It might just mean listening. Uh, it, it might mean having empathy or mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice, as it says in Romans chapter 12. It might mean providing practical support. I know there are many people here who are very good at providing practical support when things are bad for somebody. Uh, might also mean stepping out of your comfort zone. Might mean stepping out of your comfort zone and providing support or, or reading the Bible with or, or praying with somebody who's in a different age bracket from you. Perhaps somebody much younger. Perhaps somebody much older. Perhaps somebody who's in a different life situation than you. But we do that because it's not about yourself, is it? It's not about thinking about your own concerns. It's about having genuine concern for the welfare of others. How do we care for others? And I think we see Jesus model that so beautifully in the Gospels. You know, he shows his concern for the welfare of others as he spends his time amongst the sick and the lame and, and those who are outcasts. He brings hope and he brings healing. Um, I'd love us to be a church that follows in Jesus' footsteps like that. I'm so excited that we're doing Toys and Tucker this Christmas. There's a couple of little um, starts up there. Um, I'm so excited that we're doing Toys and Tucker because I think it's a chance for us to say to our local community, we are concerned for the welfare of our neighbours. Um, we care and we're going to give to show you that we care. Um, and I hope Toys and Tucker is actually just the beginning of the way that we show our concern as followers of the Good Shepherd. We had... An interesting discussion in the office this week uh, with one of the wardens and Beck and myself about imagining having an Anglicare food pantry here in the church. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I need somebody to help. I, I can't do everything. Maybe God's calling you to that ministry today. Third thing, I think, to, if you want to be a Timothy, the third thing is you need to be a servant. Do you see that in verse 22? Um, Timothy has served alongside Paul probably for about 10 years and this word serve is the same word as the word for being a slave. Paul and Timothy both see themselves not, not as leaders or people of status. They actually see themselves as slaves of Christ, as servants of the gospel. Paul wrote that in chapter 1, uh, Philippians 1.1. 1, 1. Paul and Timothy's lives are marked by humility. And, and so that's Timothy, right? By the way, did you notice Timothy is exceptional? Paul says, I don't have anybody else like him. There's nobody else like Timothy. Um, it's hard to be a Timothy. Um, but I was thinking, what would it be like if we had two Timothys in this church, or five, or ten? What, what if we had a church full of Timothys? Wouldn't that be amazing? Imagine the impact we could have for the gospel if we had a church full of Timothys. Uh, the impact that Jesus would have would be amazing. Uh, second, uh, let's think about Epaphroditus just for a couple of minutes. Um, before we do that, we're going to have a little bit of um, trivia. Uh, this is a pop quiz. It's like actually a, a pop rock trivia quiz. Um, according to Rolling Stone magazine, these are some of the top 10 one-hit wonders of all time. And uh, I'm going to say some song words. You need to tell us the title. I can see my two trivia kings right here. These guys are going to win everything. Number eight. The words go, if I, I get knocked down again, uh, sorry, I get knocked down and I get up again. Shamawama, you're never going to keep me down. Tub thumping. Number seven, this is one for the 90s kids. And I tried this at eight o'clock, it didn't go well. Um, <laughs> maybe I need to sing it. 
He goes, all I can say is that my life is pretty plain. I like watching the puddles gather rain. Blind melon rod Wallace. Well done, it's called No Rain. Um, this one, a Scottish rock band described as the poor cousin of U2. Um, they made their guitars sound just like bagpipes. Song goes, in a big country, dreams stay with you like a lover's voice. Fires mountainside, stay alive. It is big country in a big country. All righty. Number two on Rolling Stone's list. Uh, Turalura, Turalura, yeah. No. Come on, Aline. Well done, Dexy's Midnight Runners. Number one, all time. We're going to the Spotify. Please don't get me arrested for this. Oh, it went straight to the... I was too far through. Oh, it's this one. There we go. Apparently, Rolling Stone thinks Take On Me was the number one of all time. Uh, they were missing some there uh, that were also on the list. My Sharona, Turning Japanese, Tainted Love. Why talk about one-hit wonders? Well, I think Epaphroditus is a little bit of a one-hit wonder. Uh, we actually don't hear from him again in the whole Bible. Um, there's something about him in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, one sentence in Ephesians 4, and that's all we hear about him. Um, one of the commentators thinks he might be hidden in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 when he talks about something, but it's not clear. So what do we know about Epaphroditus? Well, uh, Epaphroditus, we know this about him. Paul says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker and fellow soldier who's also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and he's distressed because you heard he was ill. Isn't that great? Um, he's the one who's sick, but he's heard that the church is worried about him. And so he's like, he's all broken up because they're worried. He's like, no, 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 I'm not that bad. I'm, you know, I'm probably just on death's doorstep. I'm okay. Stop worrying. Um, that's a real pastor, isn't it? Um, it's interesting to look how Paul describes people. Just a few verses ago, Paul talks about Timothy serving um, like a son with his father. And now Paul describes Epaphroditus as my brother. Um, he's not really Paul's brother. It's a term of endearment. Uh, for Paul, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're not staff members. They're family members. Um, Epaphroditus is a brother first and a co-worker second. Um, Paul also describes Epaphroditus as a fellow soldier. Um, in his letter to Philemon, Paul calls another disciple, Archippus, the same thing. He calls him a fellow soldier. And then in 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, um, Paul instructs Timothy to be a good soldier. Uh, he says, because soldiers don't get tangled up in civilian affairs, rather they try to please their commanding officer. That is, they serve Jesus. They don't get caught up in the world. They put Jesus first. So Epaphroditus, it seems, did whatever he could do uh, to please his commanding officer, even at the expense of his own health. So a couple of verses later, it says, indeed, he was ill and he almost died. He almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for help that you yourselves could not give me. Well, later on in Philippians 4, Paul tells us that it was Epaphroditus who was sent from the church in Philippi to come to Paul and to bring a financial gift to him. Um, perhaps Epaphroditus became ill on the journey um, from Philippi to Rome, or, or perhaps he wore himself out looking after Paul while Paul was under house arrest. Uh, when I was in Rwanda, one of my students um, 
She would look pretty exhausted when she got to class every day. The reason was one of her relatives was in hospital and in the hospital there, they don't feed people. Um, families and relatives need to come and bring food every morning. So she would wake up extra early um, to cook another meal for her sister or brother or whoever it was, deliver it to the hospital and then come to class all by eight o'clock in the morning. I, I hate to think what time she was waking up. Now, it's probably the same for Paul. He probably needed somebody to help supply his daily needs. And that's a humbling position to be in, isn't it? When you have to ask somebody to help you with all of your daily needs. But it seems like Epaphroditus, he filled that gap, even at the risk of his own life. Paul is now in a position, though, to send Epaphroditus back to his family in Philippi. He says, therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you might be glad and have less anxiety. Sorry, and I may have less anxiety. Seems like Paul is also worried that the church there is worried about Epaphroditus. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and, and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. Paul says that we ought to honour and welcome those who serve like Epaphroditus as messengers and those who provide aid for the work of Christ. We're to honour them. We're to give them honor that they're owed. Last week, uh, we saw a little video from Michael and Rani, our CMS missionary partners in Belgium. Um, they have a long-term plan to work with the Christian group there on a university campus. Uh, do you know what? Michael and Rani are a little bit like Epaphroditus. They've uprooted their lives to take the message of Jesus to the other side of the world. They've taken their little son with them, and this is a life-changing decision that they've made to go and serve Jesus in Belgium. And, and we want to honour that commitment by supplying their needs and by showing our concern for their welfare, by praying for them and at treating them not just as co-workers or staff members or somebody we don't know, but actually as a brother and sister who we love. And so um, I've actually built this slide with a QR code. I want you to do something for me now. If you've got a smartphone, do you want to take your smartphone out and just scan that QR code? It's going to open a web page. And there's three things you can do on that page. Number one, you can get in contact with Rani and Michael. They're real people. They love a phone call or an email. You can get on Zoom with them. Um, second thing you can do is to get on their prayer email list. Um, I think that's something that we can absolutely do. It doesn't cost you anything, just a few minutes a month in prayer. But it's a way to show your concern. And the last thing you can do is to give them a financial gift through that website. Um, if you're too scared, we're going to put it up again in a minute in the notices. Um, but I want you to sign up to look after a Michael and Rani because you know what? I want them to know that we care for them. We care for them. We, we have genuine concern for them. Well, let's come back to Epaphroditus for a moment. Um, how can we become an Epaphroditus? Well, Epaphroditus teaches that, us that it's worth risking everything to serve Jesus. If we make ourselves available to Jesus as co-workers, if we, if we try to be somebody who says yes, then Jesus can use us. When we say no, it's pretty hard for him to use us. Why do we become people who say yes? Because you never know where the journey might take you. Um, you might think, well, I could never. You know, I could never serve Jesus in another country. Well, do you know what? Yes, you could. I don't think there's anybody in this room who's passed it. I think there's any, everybody in this room, if Jesus wanted to use you, I mean, Gareth and Sarah, they're about to go to America with a job. God's going to use them to share the gospel with people who they don't even, they've never even met yet or heard of. Um, what about saying yes to theological training? Um, you, know, you might say, I could never give up work 
to go and do theological training. I could never give up the time. Yes, you could. Um, for me, I was 32 when I um, quit work to go to more college. I had a mortgage and I had two kids. And uh, I went to Bible college for four years. I didn't think we could afford it, um, to be honest. But God made it possible. God can do all kinds of things when you say yes to him. Um, perhaps you might think, I could never do a particular ministry, maybe not full-time paid ministry or overseas ministry, but maybe one of the ministries here at church, you think, I could never do that. Yes, you can. If you want to do it, the Spirit will give you what you need to make it work. Um, you never know if you always say no. If you always say no to God, you'll never know what he might do in your life. Why not try saying yes? You know, Why not put your hand up and offer yourself Today, you know, even if it seems like a risky thing, what if it might cost you time? What if it might cost you money? What if it might cost you reputation? Does any of that matter more than Jesus and his reputation? I don't think so. Um, last week, I told you about that vineyard just down the street from our house in the Napa Valley. Um, this one vineyard, 250 hectares alone. And uh, most of the year, um, there's only seven or eight guys who work in that vineyard uh, every day, just going up and down, um, tidying up, tending vines, all of that. But you know at harvest time, when it's time to bring in the grapes, um, every, uh, that field has dozens and dozens of workers there. All day and all night, they put out big floodlights at night time and uh, they pick all the grapes, they put them in baskets, they carry them down, they go on trucks and tractors, they transport day and night until all the fruit comes in. And you know, brothers and sisters, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. He says, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Um, Jesus wants us in his harvest field. He wants us as his co-workers. He wants us as his brothers, as his fellow soldiers. He wants us to work in the gospel, to labor together with him as his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. And one day his kingdom will come in completeness. Jesus sends us out to take the message of Jesus, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey God's commands. That is what Jesus wants us to do. So brothers and sisters, praying that the Lord of the harvest will convince you to say yes to Jesus, to be a co-worker for his honor and for his glory. Let me pray. Jesus, help us to see the harvest. Help us to see all of the work that there is to be done. Help us to put our hands up and say yes. Our Lord, we know that in our weakness, we can't do much, but in your strength and in the Holy Spirit, you can empower us to do amazing things. Lord God, we, we pray that you would give us that same concern for others that Timothy had. We pray that you would give us the willingness to put our lives at risk like Epaphroditus. We pray, Father, that you would help us to follow you just like Simon, Peter, and Andrew did. Jesus, we want to honor you with everything. We pray that you would take us and use us for your kingdom. Amen.